Welcome to Leave Your Mark, where I explore the influences that have shaped the lives of our incredible guests. These are the stories of lives worth talking about. Follow me on Twitter at Built by Scott and Instagram at King O'Pain, or link up with me on my Facebook fan page at Scott G. Langston. My goal is to create a community of people who take every opportunity to live high-performing lives. Before I get started on today's podcast, I want to take a moment to connect you with my sponsor, ReconditioningHQ.com. Reconditioning is a method and language of integrated practice. It brings the worlds of therapy and conditioning together and helps them become more powerful and more practical. If you live in one or both of these worlds or you use the services of a therapist or conditioning coach, you know that sometimes they don't see eye to eye. They aren't on the same page. Reconditioning provides a time-tested process for aligning these two worlds and creating impactful solutions to performance problems. Follow them at ReconditioningHQ on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, or become a member of their Facebook group, Reconditioning HQ Revolution, and join the Reconditioning Revolution. We can't grow this podcast without you, the listener, or the support of our amazing sponsors. This year, we are pleased to announce the support of Matrix Fitness, one of the largest commercial fitness brands in the world and one of the fastest growing in the industry. Matrix Fitness produces training tools that focus on improving the training experience for athletes and coaches alike. With equipment that focuses on building speed, power, and explosive performance in the most efficient manner, Matrix has partnered with some of the top sporting organizations in the world. As a global brand with local support, the Matrix performance team assists their customers with solutions, research, and training protocols so coaches can focus on what they do best, help athletes prepare for competition, and getting better. For more information, please request their sports performance package from their Canadian Director of Education, Annie.Vilnive at matrixfitness.com and mention the Leave Your Mark podcast to qualify for your 20% discount. Hello and welcome to Leave Your Mark. I'm Scott Livingston and today I have the pleasure of speaking with Sarah Claire Lajeunesse and Sean Mosen who together live and own the brand Agatsu. Sarah Claire has been a fitness professional since 2003. Her passion for physical fitness began at a young age through dance and continued on through her university years. As a teacher's assistant in movement for theater arts, there she studied voice, dance, Alexander Technique, Pilates, yoga, Feldenkrais and contact improv. A graduate from the University of Windsor's BFA in acting and program, Sarah toured the world for 12 years as a professional performer. Sean Mosen is the foremost authority on kettlebell training in Canada. Considered the father of Canadian kettlebell training, Sean was the first instructor to release instructional DVDs, a workbook, and offer instructional certification seminars in the country. Recognized worldwide as an authority on kettlebells, martial arts, and functional fitness, Sean was one of the first Canadians to be certified in kettlebell sport in Russia. As a team, Sean and Sarah Claire travel the world together every year, giving seminars to fitness professionals and the general public. They are an amazing couple, and I am honored to have them on my show today. Welcome to you both. Oh, thank you very much. We are so honored to be on your show. Yes, and thank God I got that. that, uh, Of that introduction will not be reflected in anything that follows. No, it's downhill from here. Yeah. (laughs) And you're welcome. You didn't think I could go 30 seconds without saying anything. You did it. You pulled it off. Yeah. But I I didn't. What what you didn't notice because you weren't looking through the camera was it caused me uh, to contort my face horribly (laughs) as I strained not to make any jokes while you did the intro. I tried not to purposely look at you because I knew you would try to make me laugh. You would do something silly to try to make me laugh. First of all, I have never tried to do anything in my life. I just 
just do things. Didn't you listen just, to the intro? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> if I wanted to make you laugh, you'd be laughing. Oh, look, you are now. Worked. I would make it happen. I it would make just it. I would happen. will it to happen. <laughs> I would will you. Well, my first big question is, what the heck is contact improv? I need oh, to know. Um, yeah. So contact improv is like, <laughs> I know it sounds weird, right? Yeah. Um, so contact in the sense that you're making contact with another body um, mm-hmm. and improv that you make shapes, but you don't pre-decide or there's no choreography to it. So you can kind of think about it like, um, you know, I don't want to say modern dance or anything, but uh, it's kind of it's kind of hand-to-hand training, which Sean and I do with the circus, but that's all pre-planned, right? So mm-hmm. contact improv is like when a bunch of kind of circus performers or dancers get together and you can either put music on or not. And I'll, you know, you're all filling the space. And if your body comes into contact with someone else, you, you take their weight on them and maybe you create a shape, maybe you flip mm. them over, maybe you roll off each other. So it's, it's actually pretty beautiful to watch. I often think about it like the ocean, like it's going to crash and ebb and flow in different ways and nothing's, it's, nothing's planned. It though. sounds like the perfect thing for a fitness guru um, to uh, try to, you know, claim that they created and mm-hmm. then make a lot of money off of, mm-hmm. right? And then they could call themselves a movement coach, right? And, right. Well, That's I was actually going to say it sort of sounds very reflective of your relationship in general. Yeah. Very. And improvis- then I found jujitsu. Improvisationally contact oriented. Yeah, and then and then you add jujitsu <laughs> on top of that, and she strangles you after you've done some improvisational movement. Well, and yeah. you're choked out, and, and and the whole show's finished. Yeah, it's yeah. like so modern dance with choking. I like that. That sounds good. Well, yeah. So, yeah. so that's I'm writing. Like, I'm writing this down. This is a program that we'll be launching next week. What's your modern, next certification? Modern dance with submissions. Yeah. So I love performance and performance arts and everything. And then, uh, you know, when I found jujitsu, I was like, wait a minute, I can do this and choke people or tap people out, and you get a medal for it at the end. It's great. Okay, I'm going to start with my first question out of the gate, other than the fact that I didn't know what contact improv was, is because you are a couple, how did you meet? Oh, do you want to field that question? I will field the question. (laughs) You better tell it accurately. Of course I would tell it accurately. (laughs) I didn't wake up this morning to tell lies. There's no elaboration. So I was sitting at the edge of a cliff <laughs> overlooking the Himalayas, I believe it was. And I was pouring myself a chai latte that I had just made with my Sherpa, Lapsao. <laughs> and Sarah came along and she was yodeling, which was unusual for the day. <laughs> and the fact that she had a beer hat on caught my attention. Okay, that didn't happen exactly. Yodeling would have made more sense if we were in the Swiss Alps. Yes, but that was a flashback to something else. Now, <laughs> what really happened was uh, I went, uh, uh, Sarah was volunteering at a gym that I was giving a kettlebell certification seminar in, in uh, Toronto. Okay. And so she was volunteering there. And as a thank you for her volunteering, the owner of the gym said, hey, you know, I know I can't pay you. And to which she cleverly retorted, yes, it's called volunteering. I didn't expect to be paid. And then he... Yeah, so I was volunteering to, with the re- youth program. Yeah. It's an awesome program they have going there. To which he replied, yes, smartass, um, let me finish what I wanted to give you for as a thank you. And then he uh, said, listen, my, my buddy's coming in. He's going to give a kettlebell cert here. And how about you take it? And uh, that way, uh, you know, I'll give you one of the, the free spots that we had for hosting. And uh, you can learn something about kettlebells. So... Sarah took the course. I thought I knew everything about kettlebells before I took the course. And then yes. I took the course. Yeah. 
<laughs> and so she she picked up a couple of things uh, from the course. Uh, her and, and one of her friends uh, took it. And uh, then after that, I, I would always go back and forth to that gym. I was there quite a bit. So I saw Sarah uh, quite often. And uh, at first, I, I found out that she was doing some interesting stuff, not just with kettlebells, but uh, just with her clients. She had interesting clients, not the usual stuff. Like, I always find it funny when people try to brag um, – especially trainers brag that they're like a celebrity trainer or they have this client or that client. Some of those clients are the easiest people in the world, by the way, to, to train like a celebrity, um, you know, clients like, Oh, so you train someone who has a chef prepare their meals, can, you know, basically move their arm. They, they have enough money to get somebody to move their arms and limbs if they want. Um, <laughs> you know, and, uh, now, now you're, t and you're telling me that's a big deal. It's like, well, that's not a big deal. Even in the case of some athletes, honestly, the athlete was so gifted by the time they got to you, as long as you don't do anything stupid and screw them up. Um, it's not that impressive. You know, unless you really built somebody from scratch or rehab them from something, you know, really traumatic, then, wow, that's really cool. But in most cases, I'm actually way more impressed if, if a person just tells me, yeah, I train like people that can barely get off the sofa. And I got this, you know, guy, for example, who, let's say, could barely move, could barely get down a flight of stairs, was, you know, had diabetes, had this, had that. And look, I turned him into this. So I always find those stories blow me away much more than somebody, you know, who says, Oh, I'm a celebrity trainer. Mm -hmm. I, I train Beautiful. people who are already starting themselves. They didn't do it. Our sponsor, ReconditioningHQ.com, is back this year with a big lineup of courses across the country and beyond. The practice of reconditioning is literally changing the way we see physical preparation. This is an approach that brings the worlds of therapy and performance together that helps you as a practitioner build more robust clients. Not just rehab injuries or train for fitness and performance, but make people more robust. Life isn't about surviving longer, it's about thriving. And Reconditioning HQ is offering a life mentorship program called Empower You, totally designed to help human performance professionals live their best life. After all we do for others, shouldn't we do our best work for ourselves? If you have an interest in ice hockey, ReconditioningHQ.com, Perform Better, and Matrix Fitness are bringing the best in hockey performance to Mont-Tremblant, Quebec, June 27th to 28th, and it's going to be epic. Check out all of their course offerings on ReconditioningHQ.com today. Um, what's, what, I'm going to segue off of that. What's your, I, I want one from both of you. What's your most beautiful story? Well, that's the thing is I think Sarah's going to go into like, okay. I'll, I'll lob it up in the air and let her smash it. But so she told me about a client she had okay. and I said, oh, would you like to write? Because uh, I had at that time we had an Agatsu kettlebell magazine. I said, uh, would you like to write um, an article, something about explaining the training you're doing with this guy? Because he sounds like a very interesting client. And that sounds like something that I want people to hear about the benefits of kettlebells and about other kinds of training um, and training for life. So that's me lobbing it up in the air. Yeah. You can you can talk about your client. Um, yeah. So uh, I have. A Let's see how coordinated Sarah Claire is when it comes to hitting the ball now. Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. Well. Let's go. Perfect. Stop trying to shoot. At least not daddy issues. Okay. <laughs> and downhill again. Okay. Uh, so my client, um, he's an amazing guy. He's now eighty-five. Uh, he has one artificial heart valve that works and he's blind and he's a professor of mathematics at U of T. Wow. So right away, um, I, I meet this couple and they're like, we'd like you to train us. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, I mean, his 
spinal flexion was same as a spinal extension and there was no rotation to speak of. And I was like, oh, wow, how do I train this couple? And I said, well, why do you want me to train you? And she said, well, we like your message, like, you know, movement for life, like train for life. Uh, we, we just want to be able to water our garden and we want to be able to go for long walks and go for hikes and things. So it's like, okay, well, let's try it out. Like I, I just finished my degree at university and I was like, okay, I don't know. Am I specialized enough to do this? And then I remember one of my mentors, um, Jane Clapp in Toronto, she told me, she's like, Sarah, if you don't train them, who's going to like, no one wants to take this couple right now. Um, and I was like, oh, I guess you're right. Like, she's like, you know, they're, they're, they're just there. Like they trust you, you can do it. So I started small, you know, you know, introducing just body weight stuff, mobility things. And I mean, he was getting off and on the ground now without the use of his hands. And he was an awesome client to train too, because you can't demonstrate anything to him because he can't see it. So mm -hmm. I had to get really good at cueing everything and really using like tactile cues and feedback from his environment around him um so that helped me understand what it is to really train a beginner again and to be a beginner again it was a huge gift for my teaching career anyway uh so we worked mobility lots of body weight stuff and then he was getting so good I was like I'm gonna start introducing a little more instability and I'll just use some light kettlebells so like just like single leg stuff passing the bell around seeing if he can stay up it was awesome. And so I started telling Sean about this guy and Sean was like, Oh, you should, you should write about him. And he's still such an inspiration today. Like he, he mm -hmm. still, he'll go on long flights and he will bear crawl up and down the aisles because he doesn't care. You know, <laughs> he, he does all his work. He's my, he's my shark because he can't stop moving because his capillary system needs to keep working and be so dense, but he can't move too fast because he only has one artificial heart valve. Mm -hmm. So he really is like a shark. And every day he gets up and he keeps swimming. Mm -hmm. You know, he's, he survived heart attacks where they've had to emergency land a plane. He's had a stroke just recently and he's taught himself to walk again. I mean, with the help of one of our other senior instructors in Toronto, um, Paluna, but he's like, whenever anybody says to me, I don't have time or I can't, I tell them about the professor because I'm like, if this guy can do it and get up and do this every day, I think you can find five minutes. Stop making excuses, right? Mm. You can find five minutes and then just start with five minutes of movement. Even if it's breathing, you can do something. Mm. So anyway, so, so those were my clients in a nutshell and some chemotherapy clients. And yeah, she had a, like she had a client that was going through, uh, you know, chemo. And, and so she was telling me about that. So she started writing articles and then uh, I thought, well, these articles are good. We should discuss them more over uh, dinner. And uh, that took, no. It, it, no, that took about like seven months to convince her about she was uh, just completely unreasonable and it was unacceptable behavior. Actually, I think I would answer. Uh, you, would an you would answer. I will explain. You would answer with some monosyllabic bullshit kind of answer, text message, one word, and then you would delete I'd my phone. I'd send an article. And, and then you would send the article, delete my phone number, and then I wouldn't hear from you. <laughs> yeah. No, not very cool. What did you think of Sean the first time you saw him? She will tell you something. I will tell I you what she's going question. to say. I, I will tell you what she's going to say, and then I will point the uh, point out the absurdity of it. She will tell you I saw his jokes coming a mile away. I also thought he was slightly disturbed. <laughs> so cut to now then why are you here see that doesn't work don't you find it funny when women do that right or any or the the other the significant other of anyone when they go oh when i met bob 
Bob used to dress like he was homeless. It's like, really? So, and that's what you're into, obviously, because yet you and Bob have been together for 40 years. So well, they have to keep the you thinking at the time. They have to keep you thinking you don't deserve them. That's the way I it know, works. but it's just silly. <laughs> just admit I was awesome when you walked in. All right. I walked, I, she, I did say crazy things when I walked into a gift purser, but I often say crazy things when I walk in to give a certain. So now you can answer the question, Sarah. I will be quiet. I want to take a minute to connect you to our newest sponsor, Zenkai Sports, who are here with a question for you. Why do we sweat? Our body is perfectly designed to cool us down, but most apparel companies use moisture-wicking fabrics that remove our sweat, which makes us overheat faster and actually hurts our performance. Zenkai uses cutting-edge technology that repels sweat and other liquids. Zenkai apparel lets the sweat stay on your skin, keeping you cool for longer and repelling odor-causing bacteria. This means Zenkai apparel can be worn 10, 15, 20 times with no washing required. This lowers your carbon footprint and saves money, so you can be a hero with your planet and your family. Join the revolution for better apparel technology. What's in your ZNA? We've partnered with Zenkai, so if you head over to www.zenkaisports.com and use the discount code LYM20, you'll get 20% off your entire order. See, I set it up in such a way she could say nothing bad. No, okay. So, to, to be fair, like, you know, I just uh, gotten out of uh, a marriage a year beforehand. So, I wasn't looking for anything. And I didn't know if Sean was. I just, I just wanted to be by myself and work on my career and work mm-hmm. on myself, right? So, this is why I kept deleting his number. Because I felt like I don't want any distractions. And he was a distraction. So, oh, um, that is right. I am <laughs> I am a distraction. I can see how he would be a distraction. Point. He, just, he is distracting. I'm distracting. Um, so he walks in and I'll tell you what he said. <laughs> There's 30 of us there. And I don't know. I guess I guess he says he's used to this look because we're the same height. I am used to that look. So he walks in and I guess, you know, when you hear someone on the internet, you always assume all these things about them, but then you see them physically. And sometimes <laughs> I guess... I don't know, people make a face when you walk in, you know, like, oh, so he walks in and everybody falls silent. And he says, well, I can tell you're all disappointed. <laughs> My ego's arriving in the next truck. And I was like, douche bag. <laughs> Basically, I'm like Patrick Swayze from Roadhouse. And every time I walk in, you can cut to a a clip of Roadhouse if you want later. Um, It's just, I'm like Patrick Swayze in Roadhouse. And every time I walk in to give a cert and people have only seen me on the internet or something, they're always say the same thing. I thought you'd be bigger. (laughs) So I walked in and I remember that, well, I don't remember exactly saying that, but she says I said it. And I approve. And honestly, it, it, it seems like a ridiculous thing to say, but it also seems like something I would say. So I'm not <laughs> denying it. But I, I think I got the Patrick Swayze Roadhouse look. I think everyone turned and I could tell that they were thinking, oh, you know, I thought you'd be bigger. So I said something. I Which see. is fair. You know, okay. So he says that. And then all throughout the course, the course was great, but then he'd have these little quips, uh, you know, jokes. I They're mean, called jokes, Sarah. It's I know, called laughter. I know, but <laughs> it's called a, a long day. Being from a performance background, sometimes it seemed like these were scripted. 
interested. So no, I no. could see that I could see it coming a mile away, the punchline. And everybody else thought it was funny, but I was like, me. <laughs> I am not saying anything <laughs> funny for the rest of the month now because I didn't like that comment. Um, well, you, ha- you have to because you're you're on this podcast and it can't be um, dull and boring. So you however, though, I will so. say this. Even though I, I thought he was a bit of a, a douche, even though he was a, a douchebag, yeah. I knew somehow, and I was like, mm-hmm. "Why am I going to spend the rest of my life with this guy?" I knew because you're in that into du- you're into douchebags. Obviously, a horrible taste in men. He was the Tin Man with the no, little heart was can, in there. Somewhere. I will say, out of everyone in the world, I could have chosen. I I stopped on you, right? <laughs> so I I had. A lot of people make bad decisions. It's it's nothing to brag about. <laughs> no, yeah, but but I chose you. Yeah. Oh. Okay, so I'll you're my that. lobster. There you go. I'll take it. There we go. <laughs> there you go. Okay. See? Like, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna back. turn, I'm gonna turn the, the turn it back and say to Sean, what, what did you see in this, this lady? Was there an immediate? I'm gonna do the exact same thing. thing, or was she there? Said funny, bag, so she said nothing funny. She said nothing funny. I was like, wow, she seems kind of a douchebag. <laughs> I did not. Yeah. I said she's, she's a little douchey, not, no sense of humor, not funny. A <laughs> horrible kettlebell technique, you know, just awful. Oh, I don't get sarcasm, though, so maybe that's why I didn't get some of your jokes. There oh, that could be. Sarah, that unfortunately, does not understand sarcasm at all because she grew up in a small town. She doesn't understand why somebody might say something sarcastic. So it's very funny. She, like, literally doesn't get it at all, you know? Yeah. <laughs> here's, here's a semi serious question for the two of you which yes. i'm kind of interested on your are both of your stakes, because you're, you're both um you both come from uh divorce so to speak mm-hmm. um so how do you make that decision because i have my own viewpoints on it because i've been divorced but how do you make that decision to do it again to be with mm-hmm. somebody again in this in a serious relationship after mm-hmm. that that happening in your life and, and i'd love okay. to hear both of your perspectives on it would you do you want to say something first or do you want me to say something uh, you're probably gonna be funnier, so I'll say it first. <laughs> <laughs> Will there be a serious conversation with Sean today? That's that gonna be interesting. Maybe. Um, so unlikely. for me, so for me, it's I mean, unlikely. Yeah, unlikely. unlikely. So well, for me, obviously, I pushed him away a lot because I did really like him, and I knew that if I got into things too fast without working on myself first, the relationship wouldn't last. Because you know, obviously, when a relationship falls apart, it's it takes two to tango. So. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to really see like, well, what are my vices that I can work on in order to bring more to the next relationship that I have? And Sean has two kids. So it was super important to me. Like, I'm not going to be, I guess, the step parent that sits aside and is only there when they're visiting. Like I, you know, when we started becoming more serious and going on dates, I said, you know, I live in Toronto, you live in Montreal. I know that I'm the one who's going to have to move. I don't want you to be away from your kids, but I'm, I'm not going to be the stepmom that sits at home when there's parent teacher interviews either. I'm either all the way in or I'm not in at all because, you know, even though if they're not my biological kids, these are the kids I would take a bullet for, you know? Mm-hmm. So for me, that's sort of why I was so trepidatious in the beginning. And then the lighter side of this is that I think it's a choice every day, you know, like there's, obviously working together and owning a company together, there are stressful situations, but we have to just find the, the laughter in it. So mm-hmm. there's a, <laughs> there have been times where things have not gone so right. You know, um, when I wasn't around for any of that. <laughs> uh, no, no. So we were once teaching in Hong Kong and, um, we got really bad food poisoning, like mm. really bad. And you can't, there's no understudy, right? Mm. Like, 
we're there and we have to teach and we're both sick. So we were literally tagging in and out of the course uh, so one of us could go be sick and then the other one would teach and then we'd run back and forth like that for the for two days. Let, let me paint a picture for you because I don't think it was graphic <laughs> enough. Um, so let, let, it was soft shell crab and it was clearly um, not fresh. So we're talking two. We were jet lagged. We're, we're talking. We're talking two exits. No waiting. Oh, yeah. The helicopter. Yeah. It was the helicopter. It was not good. So we would. I would literally go out of the room and evacuate everything out of my body. And Sarah would teach like Turkish get up, and then I'd come in depleted and barely walking, and go, "All right, where are we?" And she'd be like, uh, "We're just finishing Turkish uh, get up," and then she would run out of the room. So that happened for two days. It was really funny. But I, I look at that situation, and I'm like, you know, we've had a lot of situations like that, and and, and I wouldn't want to have the shits with anyone else. <laughs> and that's the name of my autobiography. Yeah, there we go. That's right. It's a time you did give two shits. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I gave all the shits that day. I gave so many shits about everything. It was unbelievable. <laughs> But in, in all in all seriousness, mm-hmm. I think about like what is the worst thing that can happen, and if you can still find, you know, and it's going to sound weird, but if you can still find joy in this in a bad situation with this person, you know, that that's obviously the person for you. Like mm-hmm. you know, when times get dark, you can still turn to each other. And we have oh, we also have this rule that I really appreciate. It's called "Am I being an asshole?" Right? So. If the other person is that sounds like a good rule for Sean. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I resemble that accusation. (laughs) That's horrible. So, so if um, you know, your your partner will always recognize stress in you before you recognize it in yourself, because we are animals after all, and we exhibit physical things before we can understand them emotionally or intellectually. So we have a rule where if the other person's like maybe in a grumpy mood or you can just see they're stressed, we can just be like, okay, you know, before you, you become an asshole, um, we, and it comes from a place of love. You have to recognize, I can say like, Hey, you need to take five minutes and like, go, go take the dogs for a walk or something. Like you need to take some you time. And Mm -hmm. so I think a lot of times, like in my past relationships, anyway, I would look at that as a criticism. Like, well, why is my partner telling me like, I need to go take a chill pill. And it's the way mm-hmm. you say it to your partner too. Mm-hmm. But if you look at it on the flip side of it, um, you know, if your partner actually really does love you and care about your well-being, and they say, hey, would you like to take five minutes and, and go for a walk? Or would you like to go to the gym and work out? That's them showing that they care about you. Mm-hmm. Not like, oh, you need to chill out. So those are my two things. Um, cool. Yeah, have the shits with somebody and don't be an asshole. Or are you being an asshole? <laughs> That that could be a self-help book. (laughs) It could be. It's a, I I think that's one great gem that comes right out of this little podcast that I might use myself. I like it. At the most recent 2019 world junior hockey championships in the Czech Republic, team Canada's number one goalie was Nico Dawes. Nico is a great story. Heading into his NHL draft year, he was not on the Canadian team's radar. In the summer of 2019, Nico trained hard with the support of the great team at Shield Performance in Burlington, Ontario. He built up his body armor and lost 25 pounds. He came to the Guelph Storm camp in the best shape of his life and earned the number one spot for the defending OHL champs, and then earned his spot with Team Canada on one of 
the hockey world's largest stages. One of the tools used by Nico was the Matrix Fitness S-Force Performance Trainer. The S-Force is a no-impact weight-bearing training tool that can improve fast-twitch muscle fiber, increase explosive performance, and support many conditioning objectives. Matrix Fitness produces training tools that focus on improving the training experience for athletes and coaches alike. For more information, please request a Matrix Fitness Sports Performance Package from their Canadian Director of Education, Annie.Villeneuve at matrixfitness.com. And mention the Leave Your Mark podcast to qualify for your 20% discount. There you um, go. So if I swing back to Sean, um, you know, uh, to, to add to that sort of compound situation, you have two kids. So, yeah. when, you know, when you have two kids, and this is never something that I've experienced, so I'm kind of curious, and I think probably listeners who've had it, when you have two kids and you are kind of now, I'm, I'm interested in meeting somebody else, but you know that there's this... <laughs> this bag of goodies on your back. What do you, what, how do you feel when you go into a relationship? Are you thinking about that? Do you even like, does it, did it, was it a part of your contemplation in finding Sarah Claire? How yeah, I, 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 well, I think so. It has to be serious now. No, I'll be, I'll be reasonably oh. serious, but don't get overly carried away. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's not going to, no, but I, I think, look, if you have kids, you make decisions uh, with the kids in mind. So, uh, you know, if you're dating people and you don't think there's much future, but you're just hanging out dating and, you know, whatever, and uh, then that's one thing. But as soon as you're contemplating like, oh, this person might be a reoccurring theme in my life and I think they're going to stick around, um, you know, you have kids, you have to consider, you have to consider uh, what the impact is going to be. And I, I think also you shouldn't, and uh, I've seen this many times, people that have kids and they're bringing people in and out. Like just because mm. you met somebody down in a cafe that you're, you know, might be going to catch a movie with, your kids don't need to meet that person. Mm-hmm. You know, like there, there's no, no reason for that. So, um, yeah, Sarah met the kids once. It was clear that, you know, this was a thing. Otherwise, but we, you know. uh, we had waited a, a good like year before I even met the kids. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. As hard as it would be on them, it's hard on me too. I don't want to have kids in my life and then all of a sudden no kids in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also what if she turns out to be crazy? Well, <laughs> I needed, did, I, I needed time to figure it out because I can't always identify that. And I made him wait a whole, like, I think nine months before he met my pork chop. So. Wow. Yes, there you go. Whatever. Pork chop. We'll, we'll let we'll let the listener kind of try to wonder what pork chop is before. We <laughs> pork, pork chop loved me. You could have just been meeting, introducing him to a piece of meat in your fridge. I don't know. So. This is true. That is true. Mm, pork chop. <laughs> um, yeah. So no, I just think in general, yeah. You know, you if you have kids, you you kind of like you know you have to uh, be a little cognizant of the situation of the mm-hmm. you know uh, and and put how they're going to see it. Uh, you know in mind keep it in so mind how, how did you how did you know she was going to be a good surrogate mom for you for your kids how did uh you, you know what honestly i knew from the beginning that she would be great with kids and yeah. uh i knew that um yeah i knew she would be great with kids and kind of everything else um but i think it just all, things also take time things can be good from the beginning but uh you have people tend to rush things mm-hmm. over time time puts stressors on all kinds of different things right mm-hmm. so um, and that's good and bad thing, you know, like mm-hmm. it's, uh, hey, it's one thing to go to, let's say work and, uh, you know, try a job for two days. That's not the same thing as doing that job for six months. Mm-hmm. Right. 
um, uh, or even something that you might like going to try rock climbing. Well, you know, five seconds of rock climbing with a buddy of yours is not the same thing as, uh, hey, do I want to keep doing this? So, mm -hmm. you know, if, you, if you're tr doing something or you're, you're around someone for a longer period of time, you get to see whether this really makes sense. So it's the same thing. We needed a certain length of time before it was like, oh, okay, this is kind of clear that this works. And, um, you know, she was running back and forth to Toronto because uh, she was doing a lot of voice recording at the time, uh, like acting work. And um, so she would run back and forth and it's just started to make more sense. It's like, well, it would be better, you know, if you didn't have to run back and forth than if you were here. So mm -hmm. and then once she met the kids, it was obvious that instantly, you know, everybody got along really well. So, mm -hmm. yeah. It well, was it was a funny thing, too, because we didn't tell the kids we were dating because I didn't want them to feel any pressure either way of like, oh, this is dad's girlfriend. So I have to like her, yeah. you know, cause mm. I, I came from a divorced home too. And I always felt pressure to like whoever my parents were dating. Mm. Um, so we didn't tell them. And obviously being from Toronto, I slept over, but we didn't, the kids were young and we didn't want them to feel uncomfortable. So I slept in the living room on an air mattress because if they get up in the middle of the night and they're going looking for their dad, they should be able just to crawl in with him. Right. Mm. And that's what they normally do. And that's what they were used to. So <laughs> I'm in the air mattress in the living room and the kids get up in the middle of the night, but they didn't crawl in with Sean. <laughs> they came to me. <laughs> I woke up and I was like, everybody's living in the front. What's wrong with me? <laughs> so you knew, that's how you knew she would be a great mom. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, this will probably go. work out and the kids will probably be okay. So, yeah. <laughs> so we had a little slumber party in the living room. Even the dog, well, she's usually with me anyway, but even the dog was like, you know, you you're in the in bed by yourself. You should come sleep on the couch in the living room. <laughs> <laughs> the first thing that struck me about both of you in different times, and because I met you both individually at different points, um, was how passionate you are about what you do. And you know, I, I'm interested in how you found that passion, because a lot of people struggle with that. Like they struggle, they, they do a job or they do work, and even in the work mm. that they're in, they're not even when they there's some sense that they are somewhat passionate about it there's there's not this kind of all all in you know you guys like i've 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 noticed ever since i first met you you're all in and then you're all in together which i would like to explore later but i'm i'm wondering where that came from how you discovered it was it just something natural that's come to you you've never questioned it or or you know take me through that like i i think for me it's a combination of different uh, things that mm -hmm. I think partially that's just the way that I, I am. That's kind mm -hmm. of my makeup. I, I see like the same thing in, in my kids in different ways. It's almost like a obsessive behavior for something that they're really interested in. They're like mm -hmm. get become super focused on it and, and really want to do it in a very particular way. It could be anything. So I was always like that as a, as a kid. Mm -hmm. um, but then being around the right people, around the right teachers and having that maybe kind of baseline propensity for that, uh, it got pushed and, um, when I was very little, I started martial arts and, uh, one of my teachers, I remember I was cleaning up the school, you know, as the lower belts did, and I was mopping the floor and, uh, I left like a corner messy. I hadn't moved the things out of the corner to clean as you know, a kid would. <laughs> and uh, my teacher called me over and he pointed to the, to the dirt in the corner that I'd left. He said, listen, no matter what you're going to do, either do it or don't do it. But don't be in the middle. It's like, if you bothered to pretend to clean the floor, clean the floor. And he goes, that should be for anything that you do, whether it's something you love doing or, or it's a chore. Either do it or just don't do it. 
Mm. And that kind of struck me. I remember being somewhat annoyed probably at the time. I was probably like, you know, 12 or 11. But I also remember like, yeah. And then I, I also saw like subsequently, I, I remember and it's a bad example, but it's, a, it's, a gr- it's still a great example because you could do the same thing with bad habits. They had this Japanese karate master came in, came from Japan. I watched him smoke. And I've never seen a guy smoke so well in my life. <laughs> like he was, he was a master of karate, but clearly hitting that level of mastery had, it was a, a part of everything in his life. Like he literally smoked the best I've ever seen a person smoke. Like he was super focused. He rolled his own cigarette. I've never seen anybody do it better. Um, he even when he was smoking, he seemed to be so focused on smoking and enjoying his cigarette. So even though he yeah, had a bad habit and all, all that other things, I still at a very young age, I recognize that it's like, man, if the guy was even going to bother to do that, he did it well. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I respected that. I like that. So mm-hmm. I just feel like if I'm going to bother to do anything, um, you know, like my teacher said, if I'm going to do it, I'm, I'm going to do it. Um, and um, if it's something that I really like, I want to do it at the highest level that I can. And uh, that's really for me. I don't really even care if anybody knows that I can do it at that level. Um, <laughs> it's just for me, it's the enjoyment of doing something is the enjoyment of, you know, being all in and really, you know, mm-hmm. finding out everything that I can about it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, cool. I, I like people like that. I like people that are kind of far in either direction. I can, mm-hmm. I can, re- I can understand and relate to those. I don't really get the in-between and the wishy-washy and the oh, let's sort of do this or sort of do that. And it's like, well, why would you even bother? Mm-hmm. Like, let's, let's either do it or not do it. Hmm. Interesting. And Sarah, yeah. what's, where's your pa- pa- Where did you discover your passion in all of this? Um, I mean, when I grew up, uh, I did tap dancing and ballet. Um, I really loved performing. Um, I'm going to try to tell the story without getting sad. Are you recording things? No, taking a picture. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So when I was in grade seven, my mom had a car accident and it was really bad. She broke her pelvis in three places, had um, a hole in her head. And needless to say, they they called us into the eMERGE and they said, just say goodbye to her because this is is it. Um, But she fought like hell. And she made it back. Uh, They took a nerve out of her leg to reconstruct her arm. They put a titanium plate in her head. They put a plate with six screws in her arm. They couldn't fix her pelvis because at the time they were just trying to save her life. So her pelvis still overlaps in three places. Um, But it took her eight years and she got back to work. Mm -hmm. So if she can do this, anybody can. Mm -hmm. And I remember having to bathe her sometimes because the home care worker would only come every second day. And obviously my brothers aren't going to do it. So I did it. Um, I'm not going to say I was always happy about it because I was in grade seven and grade eight. And I didn't really understand why my mom was in pain. And I was frustrated that I couldn't take away her pain. Mm. So, uh, I mean, I was always like, my brothers were always um, really athletic too. And we trained together. So my little brother was an elite level cyclist. He um, trained with Clara Hughes and everything like that. Uh, so he's since passed on, but he was a great inspiration for me too. My older brother coached track at McMaster University. So anytime there was like sort of turmoil in our life, we always turned to movement as a coping mechanism, as a stress reliever. Mm-hmm. And so like seeing your mom not being able to move, I think we all wanted so bad to help her. And we, and we did, you know, we always encouraged her. We got her up and walking, we got her out cycling and 
every day she's in pain because of the pelvis. They can't fix it. But every day she gets up and she moves and she Mm -hmm. still works as an emergency nurse. Like she is so inspirational. She had to learn to write again with her other hand. She had to learn to walk again. She had, you know, I mean, she's seen, she's seen Laura Leslie, who's an amazing um, osteopath for head trauma. And that's 20 years later. And she's doing her eye exercises. So she doesn't fall off balance. Like, so if I see that she has this routine and she gets up every day just to better herself, she, mm. she was my inspiration, I think, for understanding how things get put together, but not just analytically, because we can look at a book and we can study as much as we want. But until that case is in front of us, you know, we really have to have a different approach for every person. So mm. with my chemotherapy clients or like my professor or my mom, for example, I, I find it, I find it like a little chess game that I really love or a huge puzzle that I really love just trying to help, help them put it together. So I just see myself as like, I'm, I'm there doing 50% of the work, but really they're doing the other 50 and together we do a hundred. So, you know, it's trial and error every day with cases like this. And, and I think that's why, like when people get really sad about an injury and think, Oh, what was me? I'm like, yes, you're allowed to be upset. You're allowed to have, a cry. You're allowed to scream. You're allowed to get mad, but you are not allowed to fucking quit. Mm. Like I just don't understand quitting. So when I see someone just wanting to quit, I ask myself like, man, are you wanting to quit? Cause you just don't think there's any hope left or, or are you just being a baby about it? And I understand pain is pain. Trust me. I've had my own injuries too, but you have to, you have to just get over your pity and you can, there's always movement to be done. If it's just lying on your back and like you, like you and Jamie teach the reconditioning and you, you focus a lot on breath. So maybe it's just lying on your back and working on breathing that day. Mm-hmm. Well, you can give yourself a gold star for working on something, mm-hmm. right? So I, I know it sounds kind of cheesy, but I just feel like you were put here. You're given a hundred percent chance to make something of yourself and if these people who are going through serious illness and injuries can do it, you can too. Just mm-hmm. check your ego and work on the simplest thing first, and then we'll build it from there. That's so, awesome. Sorry to get a little like... No, it's a beautiful <laughs> story. Uh, you know, I want to actually take that and segue back to Sean in the sense that I didn't get to hear sort of his most inspirational client story. Who's been somebody that just made you really smile inside that you worked with and why? Here again with another word from our sponsors, Zenkai Sports, who want to let you in on a little secret. Performance apparel hasn't changed much in the last 20 years. Most apparel is still based on moisture-wicking synthetics, which not only make you more overheat faster, but are toxic for your body and the environment. Synthetics don't biodegrade, so that stinky workout shirt you have to throw out after six months, it lasts for thousands of years in landfills. Zenkai is the only cotton-based training apparel on the market, keeping your body safe from those scary petroleum-based synthetics found in most workout gear and giving you that extra edge when it counts. Be a part of the solution and join the revolution for better apparel technology at www.zenkaisports.com. What's in your ZNA? For 20% off your entire order, please use the discount code LYM. Uh, you know, I mean, you don't have to name yeah. names, but, you know, just... No, the, there's, just a, the there's a few. I was actually talking to... Um, buddy of mine uh, a couple days ago, a good friend out in uh, California, and we were talking about work and he was questioning some things with, uh, with work and just if he wants to do like a kind of a career change and, and everything. And he was asking me and I was like, are you still happy with what you do? And, you know, 
And then he was saying something about his work and he's like, well, you know, like, oh, if I keep doing a bit of this, you know, I'll do some more of this. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll you make a substantial amount of money, but like, does it really matter? Does it really matter to anyone? And, you know, one of those kind of, you know, mm-hmm. midlife crisis kind of thinking. And uh, I told him, I said, yeah, you know, I said, I'm really fortunate because um, because of what we do, I get to have these, you know, really incredible moments where I know that I've, you know, impacted somebody in a very positive way. Um, maybe their health or or just maybe also, you know, their life and they've had like a, you know, change. I had somebody message me not long ago. She was moving from Toronto to San Diego. And uh, the reason that she got the job in San Diego, she told me was, uh, you know, in large part due to the fact that they offered her the job because she was a Gatsu trained. So she had taken the courses with me. Uh, they had run into a bunch of people that I had trained and uh, they really liked uh, the Gatsu approach. And so she told me, she's like, I literally because of the education you gave me, I can pack up my bags and I'm heading down to San Diego and I'm going to change my life. It's going to be so dramatic, dramatically different. And that's, I mean, that's a great thing to hear as a, as a person. That's just, you know, fantastic that I could, you know, help her do that. And uh, mm-hmm. I see her stories on um, Instagram and, you know, she's sitting there reading by the ocean and I'm like, shit, why isn't that me? No. And I'm, <laughs> and I'm thinking, I'm thinking that's amazing. Like that I played any role in that is so nice. And uh, so I told him that story and I also told him then, and this has happened a few times where like the, the last time it happened, uh, a guy was hanging out after I gave a, a seminar and uh, I could see he wanted to talk, but there were people hanging around that wanted uh, to, like to take some pictures and wanted to talk about the course and maybe upcoming courses. Uh, and he seemed like he had something else in mind because he was off on the side and clearly waiting for people to clear out. And uh, when they finally did clear out, uh, you know, he was like, Hey, and I was like, Hey, and he kind of was like muddling around, not getting to what he wanted. And he kept saying, I know you got to go. I know you got to catch a flight. I know you got to go. I said, no, everything's fine. I said, don't worry about it. There's something on your mind. And, you know, to make a long story short, he finally got around to it that he, you know, he had addiction problems and he was, you know, struggling with them. And he didn't even know. He goes, I don't even know what, I, what I'm trying to tell you or what I, why I'm talking to you. Um, and he goes, I know you got to leave. And I said, listen, I can miss my flight. It's not the end of the world. There are a lot of planes at the airport. Eventually they put you on another one. So, you know, and he's like, yeah, it's kind of stupid. I don't even know what I, I said. Well, figure it out. <laughs> you know, just keep talking. And eventually, um, you know, I said, maybe you don't have anything to say to me. Maybe you just want to say it to yourself, but you know, so we talked for a while and uh, I've had a few people like that that have come and they they come to the course or they've come to some of our, our courses at times in their life where they're in some sort of crisis and they're trying to get their shit together. And uh, so, you know, to be able to inspire them and to affect some change or to give them some hope or, or you know, help steer them in a certain direction. Um, to me, that's a great thing. Mm. And that's a really amazing gift. So um, those people, I always find lots of inspiration, um, you know, to keep getting up and doing uh, what I do. Um, and just to kind of put out things there, there's so much in fitness where, you know, people are always trying to get attention. They're always fighting, you know, over social media. Everybody's trying to get their few minutes of fame. They're this, they're that. They're online clients. DM me for this, DM me for that. Only two spots left. Uh, one of my guys, we joke about the only two spots left thing. You can literally write only two spots left for a thing that doesn't have spots and uh, you will get DMs. How do I get in on that? Right. Like you can literally well, try it. You can, and if everybody listening, try putting up a post and say it's snowing minus 18 today, only two spots left. And you'll see there will be people. If you have enough followers, you'll get a percentage that are going to message you. How do I get in on that? 
So, um, <laughs> you know, everybody's fighting around and all this kind of ridiculous shit and uh, you can lose track of what's important. So um, probably if you're some sort of teacher, trainer, coach, whatever, you got into this at some point because someone did something really nice for you that was helpful to you and you wanted to, you know, return the favor and have some sort of positive impact on uh, others. Mm. Um, so I think, you know, people that are doing this, they need to kind of, you know, keep that in mind. And I'm fortunate that I have my students to remind me of why I do it all the time. So mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to go to uh, Hong Kong soon to give some seminars. And I know that sounds awesome to everybody and it is, but the truth is also, it's really hard on your body flying around as much as we do. Um, it's exhausting. It's hard on your body. And then you got to perform when you land and everybody wants to see you do like, Hey, can you do this? Can you do that? Can you, you know, and that's cool. But um, the real thing that's super exciting is I get there and I get to see my trainers that uh, I've taught, you know, the last time I was there and I get to see their improvements and hear all the great stuff from them and how it's going and how they've, you know, used our training and how it's, you know, improving the quality of life for them and for their clients. And, you know, that's really my motivation. Hmm. That's uh well, that's kind of a nice segue into, you know, why you guys, well, how did the business Agatsu start? in essence, because you guys come together as a team and yeah. you, you, you find a relationship together. How does that then turn into a business? And then, you know, what, what gives you the audacity to go across the world and treat, teach people all over the place? Kind of thing? Well, obviously a giant uncomfortable set of His balls. ego's coming in yeah. the next yeah. truck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was, uh, the next yeah. truck's coming. It's we're pulling in now. Yeah. <laughs> Only you can see the video. I know it's, it seems like I'm sitting on a Swiss ball, but that's actually me sitting on my nuts. But, um, <laughs> oh my God. They ride shotgun in the plane. I always have to buy two seats. That's why my rider is so long when people want me to come and work at their gym. Um, so The podcast is actually tame. When we get together for dinner, this is going to be worse. It's even worse. Yeah. Oh, yeah sure. By the way, this is me being professional. Yes. <laughs> if I really cut loose, shit's going to get out of control. No, I, I started, look, I started Agatsu a long time ago and I was teaching martial arts. It was kind of a martial arts company. I was teaching martial arts, and I was always, uh, as a martial artist, I was always looking for different ways to improve my physical conditioning and the conditioning of my students. And so I got involved in all kinds of uh, different types of training. And um, you know, I found uh, one of my students. I was I was training him in some stuff. He was doing at the time what he called Russian circus lifts. So like the bent press and side press, all these kind of things that weren't very conventional, especially at the time. So. He also knew a little bit about kettlebells that got me interested in kettlebells and and different things. So I started to kind of do that kind of stuff in a time where nobody was doing it. And um, that quickly took off from the martial arts stuff. Uh, A lot more people wanted to learn these kind of lifts and the conditioning. And that's how, you know, Agatsu kind of morphed into at first this kettlebell company. And because of the background that I had, it was always kettlebells, it was body weight, it was, you know, mobility exercises that I had learned from, yeah, and martial arts and the mobility exercises I had learned from the martial arts. So there was always that involved in it. And then when I met Sarah, because Sarah had this background of, you know, dance and movement and, you know, was doing some circus training and some silks and different things, um, our backgrounds meshed really well. So even when we were like putting together the mobility program, I was telling her, look, I got these really cool, very useful exercises that I think trainers and people just in general would benefit from the martial arts. So stuff that if you haven't done martial arts, you know, you may have missed on all this great stuff. That, by the way, is one of the big secrets of um, 
movement douches, uh, <laughs> what they do uh, is they go and they take things from martial arts, from gymnastics, or from dance. dance, and they pretend Yoga. that they, you know, like me and my team have been working on this for years. Yeah, no, you haven't, you <laughs> douche. You just went to like an obscure martial art. By the way, anybody who wants to play uh, at, along at home, look up Sistema. It means the system, right? It's a Russian martial art. It's one of the best places if you're a movement douche to <laughs> steal and pretend you came up with it because it's such an obscure martial art for most people that have never heard of it or seen it. Um, so you can just cherry pick, uh, moves from there and then you can, you know, or how about that can... book of movement games developed by the, Oh yeah. You'll love this story. This I, won't, I won't say who the douche is, but everyone can figure it out. Okay. <laughs> so quite a while ago, a well-known, uh, movement D, um, <laughs> movement D. yeah, movement D that's going to be my new thing. Yeah. I'm actually thinking of the title for this. The title for this, title for this podcast is going to be something like Movement D. I think. Yeah, Movement D. Okay, <laughs> so a, move, a Movement D uh, showed me a uh, physical challenge, kind of like a you know movement challenge, a fitness challenge that, that him and his does. team have yeah. developed. He's like my team and I developed these physical coons. It's just you know like it's movement, and you have to explore movement and puzzle. so it's a puzzle. So he, he said, can you do this? So I did it. And then Sarah noticed while I did it that uh, he seemed annoyed that I could do it. He made a face. And he made a face, right? It could have been gas in his defense. Maybe it was gas. <laughs> we had eaten barley that day or something. I don't know. I don't remember. But anyways, so he showed a few of these and he, you know, he told me that him and his team were developing them and blah, 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 blah. There's something in the back of my mind bugged me because I was pretty sure I'd seen this before, but I couldn't put my finger on it. And I was like, man, I've seen it, man. I didn't say anything to the guy. And I'm like, it kept bugging me because not only was I sure I'd seen them, but I'm pretty sure I saw them in that order, like in the order he showed me them. Hmm. Cut to years later. I'm sitting in my den. I'm power bombing my 16th coffee of the day, right? <laughs> just, just sipping it. He only drinks and- water if it's brown. That's it, what he thinks is water. It is water. What do you make coffee with? Well, I like his attitude. Right. Pretty, so pretty I also, I drink water that has bubbles in it. That's Although I'm trying to pretend that I'm some kind of hydration expert by having this really nice water bottle with me the whole time. You know what I do? I use, you know, those apps where it says hydrate. I use it for coffee. <laughs> Every time it says hydrate, right? I said, oh, I, I, sorry, I have to hydrate. My, my app went off and then I make myself a, an espresso. So anyways, my, pee, my pee comes out clear when I drink eight coffee. So yeah. I'm fine. Mine, mine, <laughs> mine comes out uh, glowing neon and I can read by it. It's There's so horrible. many things that you can uh, do you also hear angels sing when you pee (laughs) do you hear that or is that just me that could be me so i'm drinking my 16th coffee of the day and i'm looking at my library of books and one of the books stands out if if sarah can you grab the one that's up there so this book kind of stands out Uh, this is what the prepare for military fitness yeah so it's kind of like this weird book right and uh, it's, it's kind of this old book about how to prepare for military fitness. And it's just really weird. Like nobody would have this book. It's written by this French guy and it's just super old. And here, I'll show you so you can see like you can see all these super mm-hmm. old you know, illustrations. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know why, but it must have been my subconscious was probably working on, you know, his lie for years. And I grab the book. I start flipping through it. And what do I find? All of his movement puzzles in the exact order he memorized them from the book. Wow. Yeah. So I was like, wow, that's interesting. So you're impressive. It's very impressive. So yeah. So all that to say that, uh, yeah, you know, that's, uh, that's a great way for people to, you know, 
pump up their own tires and forget that they're uh, supposed to be here of service to others. Yeah, mm. it's a service industry. It's great to be well-known. It's great to fly around the world. It's great to give courses. It's great to do all kinds of things like that and get some attention, go on podcasts, have people <laughs> ask for your opinion of things, crack jokes about, you know, mainlining uh, coffee. Um, but <laughs> at the same time, uh, you know, you're so if you're a teacher... Um, you're in a service profession. You're there to be of service to others. So you're either doing that or you're really trying to serve yourself, you know? Mm -hmm. um, all the other stuff is a nice side effect of maybe being good at what you do. Um, but that's what it should be. It should be a side effect of what you do. It shouldn't be the main reason why you're there, just to get more attention for yourself. The teachers mm -hmm. who all of their teachings uh, is directed to them and how awesome they are is not much of a teacher after all. You know, mm -hmm. the whole point in showing people something is to show them how easily transferable it is, right? Like the best thing a teacher can tell anybody is I'm not special. In fact, I'm probably less than special. So if I was able to do this, there's no reason that you can't. And then show them how you got where you got. Mm -hmm. And that's a great thing to share with people. And, you know, that will really positively impact them and probably let them take it further than you since they have the benefit of your experience, you know, to mm -hmm. kind of accelerate their training. They don't have to stumble around in the dark like maybe you had to for so many years trying to piece this stuff together. Mm -hmm. You know, when somebody comes to one of our mobility courses, um, they're getting bumped years ahead of where we were, at, you know, when we were stumbling around trying to put it all together. So, mm -hmm. you know, they're getting this massive blast of information where it's like, yeah, you can go on your own and spend the next few years trying to figure this out or come and we'll expose it to you in such a short period of time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, after they get that, you know, a year from now, their training is going to be so much further than where it was that that's an awesome gift to give people. Well, I hear the, the passion and energy in your soul about teaching and stuff. Where does, where does that come from? Like you just, it is just who you are or you discovered something in, in your first moments of teaching that you really were drawn to. Yeah. I, I think maybe, maybe both. I don't mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe both. Mm -hmm. I, okay. I love to teach. I literally have taught so many <laughs> things. I'll teach uh, anything, you know, pretty much, but I love, I love to teach. I think I've had a lot of really exceptional teachers and so having seen what a really good teacher is um, and seeing what a bad teacher is, I try uh, to give people that experience that I've had. What, what are the what are the, the tenets in your viewpoint, Sean, of, of a good teacher in your viewpoint? Well, and I'd like to hear very, Sarah's view on that, too. But. Yeah. One of the very first things is uh, that a teacher should be there for the student, not for themselves. Mm -hmm. mm. You know, uh, if, if I'm just interested in uh, doing things for myself, um, I could go off and do a lot of other things. I don't need to work so hard trying to get people to understand the stuff that I do or this, you know, or how I can help them to get somewhere like, and I remember uh, somebody once told me, uh, like he was thinking about coming to my course, one of my courses, and he asked me a few questions and he goes, you convinced me, I'm sold. You know, he says, you're a good salesman. I said, I have no interest in selling you anything or convincing you of anything. I still don't. If I wanted to convince people or be a salesman, I would sell jets. I had a friend who sold uh, jet, jets a long time ago. She made a lot of money. It, oh, you yeah. get a very big commission on a jet. So, um, yeah. And then also, like, when you're done with work, I mean, I don't know. I don't think she really thought about work much after. It was not, you know, it's like, hey, sold some jets. Cool. I'll just keep doing that and make a lot of money. So, um, yeah. The whole point in teaching is that you want to share stuff with other people. So, it can't be just driven by, by you. 
mm-hmm. um, and you know the attention that you're trying to get. I always see these things pop up on Facebook and in social media because I have so many trainers on my Instagram. People are it's always six figure trainer, how to get rich being a trainer, how to automate your business, how not to work and get rich. I had a guy message me yesterday. Uh, he'll probably hear this. And uh, he messaged me yesterday telling me he makes $100,000 a month. And uh, he, you know, he wants to, you know, it was like one of those cold calls, right? And he's like, how do you get clients? And I make a hundred thousand, he makes a hundred thousand dollars a month. First, dude, you're sitting there, you're making a hundred thousand dollars a month and you're, you're messaging people on Facebook doing cold calls. No, wow. The hustle is real. And you're still hustling your ass off. Good for you. <laughs> Bullshit. But anyways, you know, <laughs> and then the other thing is he did no research. I don't understand how these guys are claiming that they're, you know, making all this money. He didn't even take 10 seconds to Google my name to see who he was talking to and how he could tailor his pitch, right? Which is, they never do that. It would take you 10 seconds, Google my name, figure out that, oh, I own this company. He could have tailored a pitch to me that maybe I wouldn't make fun of and maybe I would have answered, but no, you know, it's just like, he, he looked at a couple of my pictures and goes, oh, this dude's a trainer. And uh, here, how are you finding clients? You know, it's like, mm-hmm. so... I, that stuff to me, like all those people, they're all coming in and it's all clearly about them. It's just clearly about them, 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 how to get. And if, and if it's, you're a trainer and all you're thinking about is how to get rich, I'll tell you how to get rich as a trainer, make a program on how to get rich as a trainer <laughs> and sell it to people. Right. It doesn't even have to work. That's, that's how these these guys have all figured out the secret after years and years of struggling as, as what they thought what they wanted to be a teacher. They discovered they don't want to be a teacher. What they really want is just to make money. So Mm -hmm. then, you know, say you've created an online program. This is how you're going to get rich and sell that to people that are desperate to get rich that also don't really want to be teachers. You know, (laughs) I don't think anybody who wanted to get rich who had a half half of a brain in their head ever set out to teach anything. Mm. Right. So, you know, for me, one of the tenets of being a good teacher is you start off first with the idea that you are there to be of service to others. Mm. Anything else that happens that maybe is good after that, that's a happy bonus. Are you making a good living? Oh my God, that is great. Good for you. That's very fortunate and you're a good teacher and I'm glad you're making a living at it. That's amazing, you know, because there's nothing wrong with that. And I have no problem charging people money for my services because I know it's going to impact their life uh, positively. And you're not just paying me for my time. You're paying me to use my time and take it away from other people. So you Mm -hmm. have to be charged something reasonable for that. You know, you're paying me. Don't play with your kids. Don't hang out with Sarah. Don't see the rest of your family. You know, come to the other side of the world and and be away from everyone. So you got to pay for that. There's no problem with that. But at the beginning and always as the driving guiding cornerstone, it's how can I be of service? Literally, Mm -hmm. that's what I think about when I wake up. I wake up, I open my email and it's like, how can I help you? It's a Mm -hmm. very simple thing. If you're a teacher and you don't have, hello, how can I help you? If that's not your first thought, this is not for you. Mm. That's there a beautiful. Are lots I like of things that. you can go do. I like that. I'm going to use that to segue into you guys' uh, astrological. Oh, oh, hang on. Sarah, I wanted Sarah to say something. She wants you to want to say, say something. Sarah, Claire, I was please too say something. verbose. No, no, no. I'll, I'll be short oh. and sweet because you no said, problem. "What's another good mark yes. of a teacher?" And um, I've always thought a teacher has to be an even better student. Mm, right. Mm. So you have to keep wanting to learn. You have to be passionate about your education and you have to keep wanting to check your ego at the door and evolve. That's part of evolution. Right. So I might, you know, no teacher knows everything that's impossible. So, you know, somebody who takes my course now and in a year from now goes, Oh, wow, things have changed. Well, yeah, things have changed because I'm learning and evolving. That's part Mm. of being a good teacher. And I wanted to say this, I know 
that when you came to the kettlebell course, Scott, I was so impressed with you as a teacher at that moment, because I'd only known you as a professional, not as a teacher yet. I'd seen you for um, some um, uh, athletic therapy things, you and Jamie. And uh, I remember you sat at the end of the course and you said, well, I would just sit and listen to everything because I'm going to take, I know you don't think you have a black belt, but you do. Um, uh, you said, I'm going to take my, my black belt, or you said, I'm just going to put a white belt on for this whole time. And I'm just going to sit and listen and absorb everything. And I said to myself in that moment, and I looked at Sean after I winked at him and I was like, Scott's a good teacher. And I knew it because the mark of a good teacher is you have something to learn from everything. So be yeah. a student, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So that's my two cents. Yeah. That's wonderful. You guys are above both of your points. Were, Sean, did you want to say something? I, I heard you. No, Sean's done. I've, said just done. I, I've already said too much. <laughs> You've just babbled on for hours and hours and we have no time left. No, I have to do my, my, my birth date thing now. So you are born April 6th, Madame, correct? Yes. You are an Aries six. I am. So your purpose is to accept yourself and learn how to control your desires and your impulsive behavior through self-discipline and good discrimination. Sexy is the only way to describe Aries six. These people have charisma with lots of to spare. Actor Billy D. Williams personifies the sexy image of an Aries six, quoted as saying, "Nothing else in the world competes with making love." It's rumored he's even better in bed than his fans assume. You're like Billy D. Williams, pumping and pumping. You're like Billy D. Williams without the mustache. (laughs) Gifted with natural charm, this energy has a tendency towards excess and obsession. They're ruled by desire and love of beautiful things. What they need is experience, discipline, and a, a failure or two to make them strong. Venus adds harmony and, e- and easy access to difficult places. The Aries 6 ability to bond gets them through doors closed to others. Um, a bit, a bit, a bit, I want to go through that. It's nice to know you can run away, but w- why waste such magical energy fleeing when you have the power to wrap someone, someone wonderful around your little finger? Remember, choosing is the challenge. Mm. Thank you. Yeah, I, I like Sha- that. Shanzo wrapped around your finger there, I think. Maybe. Yeah, I was going to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That, that, is, that was a very good summation of me. <laughs> you, you notice, Except the Billy D. Williams. You notice how they're always positive, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody ever well, has a force well, that You here. saw her across the room and she attracted, something was attractive in her to you. So she's No, sexy. I told you. I was just like, yeah. <laughs> uh, no. All right, whatever. Douche girl. So you are a Libra 7, my friend. Purpose to find faith in the midst of despair or joy and become... Uh, Otherwise known as Instagram. Yeah. (laughs) To use your new vision and strength to inspire others and help them overcome their sense of hopelessness. It gives me a deep, comforting sense that things seen are temporal and things unseen are eternal. Helen Keller. The Libra 7 tries to solve the ongoing dilemma of philosophers, what is reality? They need to accept the fact that there is more than one reality. Their inner world needs to be strong and anchored in faith in order for them to be successful. The Libra 7 is too idealistic, and the only way the universe can ground them is with harsh reality. They need to remember they have the power to create anything they can dream, but they must be able to use their will to harness their whole self and direct it toward one goal. The Libra 7 is a perfectionist, a dreamer, and a creative human being who feels the need to help others. Oh, well, that's interesting. We found you, I think, my friend. I don't resemble anything <laughs> that was just I said at all. 
So, so did, what did you hear there, Sarah? I'm, I'm curious. <laughs> she was nodding her head off camera, by the way. Like, oh, there yes. was a lot of there was a lot of nose oh, touching, yes, pointing, see. nose touching. I see you. I see you. <laughs> well, I've actually taken two minutes longer than an hour of your time, and I don't I know time is uh, Bills in the mail. thing in the world. Yeah. Well, you're not here to make money. You already told me that. You're here to teach me oh, something. Shit, so I you've already it. taught me something here today. So, <laughs> so blew it. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to make sure he knew that he had to pay for this. Um, I want to end with the two of yous. Like, what would um, you say to your 20-year-old self if you met your 20-year-old self today, Sean? Ooh. <laughs> oh, so many jokes came to me. What a douchebag. What a douchebag. <laughs> Get your shit together. Honestly. And that vest is such a fucking mistake. <laughs> <laughs> no idea. and your shoes are horrible uh no i would uh i would say uh don't worry everything's gonna be all right trust your gut cool i like that one and madame yeah i would i would just tell myself to be a lot more patient with myself mm. Mm. Mm, that's a good one no, yeah. I, like it. I still have to tell myself that <laughs> Well, you guys, you know, it's it's really nice of you to take the time. I know uh, we are all very busy and I appreciate the, the hour taken. And uh, it was fun to get to know both of you a little bit more in different ways. And that's one of the selfish reasons why I have this podcast is really the opportunity to sit down with good people and talk about what makes them them. And I appreciate you guys taking that time. And I also just appreciate you both. I think you guys are, are leaders and people who are cutting, you know, a cool swath. And it's always cool to meet other couples that do it, uh, do it well and, and do it because they, they, they love each other and enjoy each other's time. So thanks for your time, guys. Well, thank you thank so you much. Thank you so much. Have a good rest of your day and you weekend. Too. Have a great day. And we'll have to have dinner soon so we can see the real Sean come out. Yes, yes. Oh we we need to somehow plan that now because it'll happen in like six months. Well, you guys should come up and snowshoe sometime or something, you know, like uh, it's, we have beautiful snowshoeing out the back of our house. So. Ooh, I'm um, game. I'm game. All right. I'm going right. to send Sounds you good. some dates now. All right. Have a good one. Awesome. Have a good have one. A great day. Thanks, Scott. Take it easy. Yeah. Thanks for joining us today on Leave Your Mark. I hope we've left a mark on you today and we wish only that you pay it forward by sharing this story taking the time to rate and comment on this podcast. Please follow us at Twitter at Built by Scott and Instagram at King O'Pain and become a member of this community at Scott G. Livingston on Facebook. Have a great day. Music by Cedric de saint Rome.